The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. The third way is to build more housing. The housing that was built a decade ago around 2010 as luxury housing is more affordable than what's been built since 2019. The prices of that housing that was built in 2010 falls as the newer, more attra- more amenity-filled uh, how, uh, multifamily, uh, uh, multifamily structures um, go up. Now, what you cannot do is you cannot require developers to provide affordability. That is against Michigan law. It is not against the law in California, but it is against the law here. So, though you cannot require developers to provide it, you can trade them for it. You offer them something they want, which is density, in exchange for what we want, affordability. Are we giving away density in exchange for nothing? Are we dooming it not to be affordable because we haven't chosen to to do that kind of trade? I don't believe so. TC1 does a very good job with the first three ways you can get affordability. Location, multifamily, build more housing. I don't think we need to build a density premium in. But how about writing something into the ordinance to offer additional density as a premium for electrification? Also a good question. Also something we considered. Also something we decided not to. I am all for requiring electrification, and I will work hard to see that it happens. But I want to make it a universal requirement of all new development, not just TC1. To make extra density a premium for sustainability in TC1 would, as Mr. Ketterpal noted, be a poison pill for TC1 because development would build any place it could do so without having to provide something that makes it less competitive than other developments. So we need to make make a level playing field, which means it needs to be a universal requirement. I want to address just two more things because I know my colleagues are, have many things they want to say and they will do so more articulately than I can. But we heard several times that you wanted us to wait for the comprehensive master plan update. The fact is that we are catching up with a vision that was expressed in several elements of the existing comprehensive master plan, some of which are more than a decade old, but most of which are not. So we are behind our master plan, and and you could always use this argument. You could always say, well, you're about to do another master plan, so you should wait until that to make this big change. Then change will never happen, and my sense of urgency will increase to unsustainable levels for my brain. And a number of you have have, uh, raised concerns about parking. Mainly, I'm just going to address the parking overflow part. Parking is not forbidden. The city is no longer mandating a minimum number of parking spaces. That does not mean that developers are going to go up, developments are going to go up without parking. Banks will require some level of parking, or they aren't going to loan to these developers. But we think that uh, 
minimum levels of parking are better decided by what uh, your, uh, you know, by what your financier wants than decided by us because what we are seeing is over provision of parking. We are see and and so we are seeing developers buying spaces in parking structures that in order to meet the parking minimum that go unused. They pass those costs on to their renters. We don't want them to do that anymore. So uh, eliminating minimum parking is not the same thing as prohibiting parking. There will be parking in the residential developments. There will likely, I should say, because I don't have a crystal ball, be parking offered in the residential developments that are built in TC1. I'm going to stop there and let the rest of you go. I would just like to interject at this point, actually, because I was not part of the um, Ordinance Review Committee's discussion. And I would be very curious to know what that discussion was about before we move on, because so many people referenced it. And I, um, I don't get the information that they get in terms of staff reports and things like that. And I, and I didn't do my homework by asking somebody for it separately. And so I just think it would help all of us to make sure that we're kind of all dealing with the same information. If somebody from that commission could tell us what the dialogue was about, perhaps Mr. Leonard could chime in in terms of the, the staff report that they put together so that we just have a sense of the history that then could allow us, I think, to have a little bit more full discussion sure. around this. Well, let me uh, start at a high level. Um, staff um, presented to the Ordinance Revisions Committee a proposed amendment to this rezoning that would um, pull out some of the geographic area that is proposed here. Um, that we had questions about some of the unique characteristics of particularly some of the smaller parcels and whether or not TC1 was the best place to realize, the best tool to realize the goals on those smaller parcels. Um, we presented those, stand, those, uh, those thoughts to the Ordinance Revisions Committee. I think in short, it was a good discussion. The Ordinance Revisions Committee did not agree with that and um, um, helped us craft the entirety of the original zoning district as is presented to you now. I think partially, um, from my perception of that conversation with the Ordinance Revisions Committee, partially that was based on, I think, a disagreement with staff about the um, need to modify that. But I think partially it was recognizing, well, let's still start with the, for the full geography, and if based on some of those factors we want to contract it based on that, um, we ha we, you have that ability here at the table. So as little Alexis mentioned, we can go through maps if there are certain areas. Um, and I, I would, um, I'll sort of turn to Alexis maybe if we could just to, maybe Alexis, you could give an example of some of the specific geographies by example that we were talking about um, from that lens. Um, but that's an overview. Um, maybe Alexis could sort of highlight some of those areas and then maybe um, as you started um, with that introduction, um, if any of the members of the ORC would like to weigh in on their perspective of the conversation as well. That's great. Thank you for that. I'll jump in um, while you're contemplating speaking up and, um, and fully reiterate what um, Brett had said. Um, we, following our public engagement and following our informational meetings, our in-person meeting at the library and our webinar, um, many of the same comments heard tonight um, were raised um, with very, very specific things. Uh, things, you know, their parking concerns, um, front setback concerns, height, variable height, is it the right 
number, and then some block by block or address by address. And so the meeting, the ORC meeting following our public information meetings, so that would have been the end of June, um, staff we raised, okay, let's tick through these issues. Um, this is what we heard in our engagement efforts. And the point of engagement is to listen and, con and consider. Um, so that's what we did. We uh, staff prepared a memo that this is what we heard. Let's sort of tick these off, discuss them one by one. Um, ultimately, the ORC um, decided not to make any changes to the, at that point, draft rezoning petition. But that's what we did. We went through, um, and so there was a staff memo that sort of um, summarized and articulated some of the very specific comments that we had heard from our engagement process. It's mentioned in the staff report. Um, but we did hear from two, um, about two particular spots in particular, one person asked for his address that has multiple units in it to be removed from the TC1 district um, petition. And one person asked for he and his neighbor to be added to it actually. Um, and I've got um, details of those two addresses um, if the discussion goes that way. Could you explain a little bit more about what Mr. Leonard brought up about the lot size of some of the smaller parcels and how that, how you kind of considered those a little bit differently? Um, well, it was um, it, part of the discussion was um, should the lot sizes in the stadium Maple Quarter, you know, we've got some really big ones. West Gate and um, Maple Village are pretty big parcels. But the average lot size in the rezoning um, area is about an acre. And there's some that are much smaller, you know, in the below 10,000 square feet. And it's hard to redevelop um, a site, uh, particularly a site that's already been developed that's that small. You are, we are talking about, you know, most likely it would be a, the lot assembly and um, adding multiple parcels. So we talked about should TC1 district already has lot width above and below 250 um, feet, and there's the difference of thresholds. We talked about should we consider changes to that? Should we um, skew the development standards down to address the fact that we have a smaller average lot size in other corridors? In the end, it was decided that the TC1 district is robust enough to accommodate um, this smaller average because across the city, you're gonna find, the averages might be different, but you're gonna find big parcels and small parcels. And it was, the discussion um, concluded that the TC1 district dimensional standards as it stands are robust enough to accommodate almost anything we can throw at it. Thank you. Um, yeah, please, Commissioner Mills or whomever from the. I think it, I think it was the two Sarahs. Yeah that we're here. So okay. um, to, I want to follow up on the point, just like the place where at ORC we talked about in particular with these small lots, the Baskin Robbins, like Little Caesars, even though to outside people it looks like one building, those are all different lots. Mm -hmm. So like that's a clear, like that was one of the examples. But at the same time, one of my thoughts at that time was, it doesn't make a difference what, how it's rezoned. Redevelopment of that is going to require, like you can't redevelop one of those without re redeveloping that whole thing anyway, just because of the way the parking happens there. So uh, my that was among the things 
that um, that I, I recall coming up. I mean, I think if you guys haven't seen it, the the memo might be helpful because I think that staff did a fantastic job at like, what are some other ideas? Mm -hmm. One of the thing, one of the other ideas is just rezoning a good portion of the area to C three. And I don't actually remember talking about this then because I don't know that I saw that. If I did see the table <laughs> of how many parcels were of what classification, I don't think I internalized it. But even more so now, like there's a bunch that's already C three, <laughs> so I'm not sure that that from my mind achieves kind of the end, at least if I pulled up from the staff memo the right way. Um, there, so uh, Ms. Leo like laid out what it might, what a TC2 district might look like and how it could be different. Um, low, like this I'm reading verbatim now, <laughs> lowering the height limit, increasing the setbacks, increasing the front setbacks compared to TC1, establishing a maximum FAR, um, doing that and offering a premium, regulating these large lots differently than the small lots. And I think that the, my, I, I can only speak for myself. And again, we, just to be clear for everyone who might not follow ORC, we provide a sounding board for staff to come back to like, to bounce their ideas off of. We don't make decisions. <laughs> um, what we suggested was this seems like a conversation, like before going through any of these, which seemed a little bit more detailed, right? Coming up with a brand new zoning district, mm -hmm. let's discuss it mm -hmm. amongst all of us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's my recollection of the conversation. Um, and that there might be tweaks, but like it's better if you're, if there, if staff is hearing from, well, now it is six voices rather than the the two, two, three, Commissioner White, were you there for that one? This was in June. I can't remember. I wasn't there for that, but I do remember the memo because I had some questions that I directed to Mr. Leonard after I saw it. So I feel like I heard, sorry. I feel like I heard a, a bit of what you all talked about and how you bounce things off. And I have a very specific question once you finish about how we land it where we are right now, mm -hmm. which I think. Okay. Will be helpful for me. Uh, so, but I from, wasn't there. in terms of like what happened at that meeting, again, Commissioner Sauvey is typically on the ORC. She had to, rec she recused herself, and Commissioner Abrams, I believe, was also there, but she's not here tonight. So, it's up to Commissioner Hammerschmidt and I. So, I got a list of questions too, but that's that's what my recollection is from ORC to put it into context. I correct me, add on, and then Commissioner White is. From my recollection, there's nothing to correct. Um, I think we talked we, we talked a lot about the small lots, and we talked a lot about um, does it make sense to to create a new zone, a TC2, based on a lot of these things that Ms. Leo had outlined. And I think, from my perspective at the time, just knowing the time that it took to get us to where we are right now, going back and deciding whether or not we need an entirely new zoning district needs to be like a broader discussion than just the three of us that were at the table. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. That's helpful. Just put us all on the same page so we know what's happened in the past. Commissioner Weich. So I'm gonna ask one question uh, that pertains to the conversation we just had, and then if sure. it's permitted, I'd like to go on from there. Is that okay? All right, so Ms. Ms. DeLeo, um, are, are you comfortable with the recommendations that we are looking at? 
I am. Um, <clears throat> I would have added on, or I wish I would have mentioned, um, as part of that ORC discussion, you're moving forward from there. Uh, you could also describe it as, as staff, uh, after the engagement process, I, I double checked with the ORC to say, we heard a lot, we heard a variety of opinions, we heard a lot of support, and we heard a lot of uh, concerns and concerns. So do you still think we're on the right track? And so that's where I think we are now tonight. The ORC provided that, that guidance. It's high level guidance. They are not a um, decision-making body, but they listened to it all. But, and I even when I said, do you think we're on the right track? Because here's other ways we can go. But they said, you know, I, I do still think we're on track um, based on what we've heard. And it is time to move forward to a public hearing with the entire commission. So now that we are here tonight, um, I, there are pros and cons to every land use decision that you can make. I think there are more benefits than cons to this. That is not to say there's none, but I think there are more benefits to the community to rezone the corridor to TC1. And so I do support um, the rezoning. I am welcome to any changes or revisions that might be made if someone disagrees, but um, I am comfortable with what is before the Planning Commission tonight. Okay, thank you. Um, so can I sure. continue? So um, just a couple of things. One, I just want to address the idea <laughs> that we don't read or listen to feedback and comments. I, I want to speak for myself, and I would love any of the other commissioners to speak up. Um, I read everything that comes to me um, because it is a, I see it as a part of my duty to make sure that I am taking time to hear from people who take time in the community to tell us what they want us to know. And I, I just personally want to reject the notion uh, that that does not inform uh, my decision. Um, I send questions to staff uh, to get clarity so that at, when I'm at the table, I can be as informed as I possibly can be with my comments um, and my requests so that we can um, get to a win-win. And um, as I was thinking about the TC1, I recognize that there are a lot of concerns about TC1. It's, it feels complicated. I mean, just in terms of sort of thinking about it, it's like you have a site here and now all of a sudden you can put something new there and what does that mean for me? Um, and I've appreciated the opportunity to interact um, with staff, and as uh, comments have come in, I, you know, I wrote down pretty much every comment that uh, someone shared uh, tonight. And so I just, I just have a couple clarifying questions for staff, just to make sure that they sort of get addressed as we are in this conversation. Um, and I think if I were to summarize what I heard, the summary uh, that I heard was there is concerns about a 300-foot building going into my backyard with a 40-foot setback. And what I heard from Ms. DeLeo in her presentation is the only place we would have a structure that would reach that height is near the intersection of 94, the exit ramps. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, of the 210 acres, I think only about um, four acres can 
uh, is far enough away to have a 300 foot um, building and that spot is uh, right centered where the Bank of America is at um, on Jackson Road at um, the I-94 interchange. Okay. The other concern that I heard was, um, and it was confusing to me because it was about parking. And the concern that I heard was that specifically that the resident said is they are worried about parking. And then I had to try to understand because part of what's happening in the TC1 is that the parking isn't going to be required, of course. There are some maximums based on square footage of uh, floor area. Um, and some parking lots may be converted into developments. But I think the concern was because there's not going to be, and I'm putting this in quotes for those of you who can't see me on the camera, um, parking inside the district, it's going to create parking inside the residential neighborhood. And, and I'm, I am actually struggling with this because I live in an area in our city where uh, people park in front of my house to avoid paying for parking in order to participate in activities at the university. And when I moved there, I didn't know that. And then all of a sudden on a Saturday morning at 6.45, there was tailgating, there was football being thrown around, there was loud music, there was grilling. And I was like, well, this, I didn't know that this was a thing. <laughs> and and I, I immediately reached out to my city council member and said, what can I do about this? And, and, and they had some uh, suggestions for me which were not quite helpful. So one of the things that I have learned is um, that that is not my parking, <laughs> uh, that that belongs to us as a collective. And, um, and so, so I guess, I don't know, do you have, as, as you know, our planner here, do you have thoughts, feedback, um, uh, ways of addressing this concern that because parking is not required in the TC1 district, this is going to increase parking in the adjacent residential neighborhood. I don't, I definitely see the concern. Um, for about 10 years, I lived in a neighborhood just like that. There was uh, Saturdays for seven Saturdays a year were uh, interesting. But uh, to the point, it is a concern, um, and it's always the unimaginable can be very also concerning. Um, the parking is not prohibited in the TC1 district, right. but there is. Um, it started with the TC1 district not requiring parking. It's allowed. It's enabled, but it's not required. And now for the city, parking is not required. It's enabled. It's permitted, but it's not required. If someone, uh, if a development does provide parking, then they must meet the handicap and barrier-free um, percentages. Uh, they also must meet the um, electric vehicle readiness uh, percentages required. Um, but what this does is um, I feel that it would allow parking to be more right-sized. The city is not requiring land parking by land use, what, what we think a development is gonna require. But the project, project by project, will be able to better right size. Um, we haven't experienced uh, um, uh, developers want their projects to be successful. Uh, landlords want their tenants to be happy. 
um, and provide the services that the tenants want. So we haven't really seen projects when um, either in the city of Ann Arbor, say downtown or in other cities. It's not um, are saying, woohoo, you city, you deal with it. But what we're seeing is um, parking is more right-sized and that um, there, there's not the overflow into adjacent areas, whether they be residential areas or commercial areas, but there's, there's not the, it's not the lack of a parking um, from a single land use that might cause some on-street congestion. It's the popularity of a district or the popularity of a neighborhood. And that, that's a sign of a healthy city. That's a sign of a healthy neighborhood. That's kind of a good sign. Um, and in the extreme, the city of Ann Arbor already has some programs. We have the residential uh, parking permit programs. Um, so in the extreme, we have some tools to deal with significant neighborhood parking problems, but I don't anticipate, we're not, it's not a direct A to B, and it's also not that tomorrow there's going to be parking on every street, nobody ever moves, car storage everywhere. Okay, and then I'll, one more and then I'll yield and come back around after others have gotten a chance. Um, the other concern that I heard, and um, Commissioner Dish also addressed it in her opening comments, was around uh, the fact that in the TC1 we are not requiring developers to set aside affordable housing units in any future or planned development. And I, the thing that I am processing with all of this is, uh, and I think uh, Commissioner Dish did a good job of sort of summarizing the ways that we can get to affordability. But I do want to come back to the point, and I just want you to clarify that any new development that comes in to this TC1 will pay into our affordable housing millage. There aren't exceptions that this district Absolutely. is going to create. Just general taxes. Oh. Sorry, there were some faces that changed, so I didn't hear. No, I was just confused, but now I understand. Okay. Yes, they will. They will pay by virtue of the properties and the development and the tax assessment and that will generate revenue into our affordable housing millage, which our affordable housing commission will use to create affordable housing. And uh, am I correct in that understanding? Correct. Do you, and this is just editorial on your part, so feel free to pass if you don't want to answer, uh, but I did ask staff a similar question when we were talking about the George and we were talking about the retail and the sense of the community expecting it, but there was no agreement. Do you have um, your own sort of answer around uh, the affordability question uh, that we've heard uh, from residents uh, this evening? Well, I've listened to um, uh, folks like Jennifer Hall, their uh, executive director of the Housing Commission speak about affordability and the need and then how hard and hard how hard it is to um, pull it off. It's my opinion that um, the not only do we have affordability, um, but we just have a housing. And I do, you know, other people have mentioned it even tonight. Um, that just the more housing you provide, it's better for everyone. Even luxury housing has um, some effect 
because as people move and and take that at that luxury, um, there it might open up different spots. But just we, um, I. I think the TC1 district is just focused on housing choice. And so that's not precluding affordable housing, but it's it's trying to help all of our needs. Affordability plus just more housing units. Um, it also, it does address our sustainability goals. It helps support our transit. The retail landscape um, nationwide is struggling. Um, local businesses are struggling, um, but so what local businesses need are more customers. And I think that overall, that um, that's, my, that's my opinion, that even though affordable housing is not required, just plain old housing is a public good and housing will marginally help affordable housing. Commissioner Rails. <laughs> No, thank you. That was helpful. I've got a long list, so I'll be brief so, to give other people an opportunity. But I just thought I would uh, articulate, in addition to what uh, Commissioner Weich was just talking about, like the concerns that he heard, the concerns that I heard both here tonight in the written material, but also from the staff report that we saw. And I watched the um, the public hearing, I wasn't able to make it to the, the work session where there was a comment period, but I, I did watch that. And I, in my thinking about why something needs to be done is that I think that a lot of the concerns that are brought up are about the change from what's there now to what people are imagining could be. But actually, a lot of those things are also allowed right now. It's just nobody has redeveloped. So that so, I, like I am trying to think about how to whether like it's a dramatic change to move to TC one. For example, my understanding is that except in places, and this is like Ms. Leo, please correct me. Most of the most of the properties are in districts where housing could be built right now. So this idea of like displacing commercial, like we allow housing in our commercial districts, we're just not getting it. Is that right? Yes, um, the TC1 district took elements of existing, you know, we cherry picked and we sort of Frankensteined a new district with the, um, the good things about a variety of other districts. And um, it, it allows mixed use, but the C3 is a mixed use district, actually. It allows residential, commercial, and office. Um, and in fact, all of the commercial districts do that. And so the T TC1, the permitted uses, um, the permitted uses are the um, are the same. The height limits are also the the lower levels of the TC1 height limits are the same as the C3 district. Um, the big difference um, there's the the big difference is not between the development standards of the TC1 and say C3. The big district difference is what the existing development. Yeah is compared to the maximum development standards of either the current or the proposed. Yeah, you. I was gonna say, the next thing that I had on my list was about like height, right? Um, another one is comparing setbacks. So yes, this is a place where zero setbacks are allowed, but if I read the TC1 table right, 
The setbacks are from zero to 15 or zero to 20 feet where the setbacks for most of the commercial districts are 10 to 25. So we're not like, it's not gigantic setbacks in this place anyway. My sense, and you should correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's so much of that area that does not conform to that setback because it's got all that parking that's right in front of it. So can people couldn't rebuild those things, right? I mean, and you, you talked about this a little bit in terms of, addressing nonconformities, but if somebody really wanted to redevelop a property, they would have to, they couldn't rebuild it as it is right now. I mean, there's a lot, of, they, those buildings would have to move closer to the road. Is that fair? Yeah, totally fair. Um, a lot of, I didn't do it, um, any actual analysis, but anecdotal, a lot of the big percentage are nonconforming structures. Um, Lewis Jewelers, the new one where the quarter bistro went, perfect example of something that's it's not even open yet, but um, the quarter bistro was set a little bit farther back. I don't have an actual number for you, but I know there was a couple rows of parking in front of it. And the new building, the Lewis Jewelers, um, it, has, it has parking. It's on the side of the building, and the Lewis Jewelers is um, much closer. It's got to, it has to be somewhere between 10 and 25 feet um, from. So that's a perfect example of that one was redeveloped under standards. If it was TC1, the main difference would be it would be a two-story building. The other one was green space. A lot of talk about green space, and this is a corridor with not very many tall trees. I think that it could use more green space generally, but there's no open space requirements in those commercial districts, if I'm reading the table right. We don't have it for TC1, but we also don't have it for what's already existing there. So in terms of, like, it is dramatic if you're imagining that all of these parcels are redeveloped according to kind of TC1 standards, which is that they are two-story. But if you also imagine no change to zoning and redevelopment, it's gonna look so different than what's there now. In most of those places, you could have 55-foot buildings. Right up, like, again, not on zero setbacks, but on 10-foot setbacks from the road. Like, it's quite, quite different. And so that's, that's one of the reasons that I think it's, I, I hear and acknowledge it, but it's a reaction to what's there now, not what the zoning for the last decade, two decades, three decades has allowed for. Um, and, and in some ways, like we are, there is the reason that I, in my mind, rezoning is important is to, we, we are providing some additional height far, you know, at distances away from from residential properties, and some additional density because we don't we don't have that same kind of FAR limits that we may have in some of those districts. But there are also some limitations, and so this is why I'm cautious to ask too much, <laughs> because I do think that we need housing. I mean, we're doing this again. Housing has been allowed here since the creation. <laughs> like it's allowed in these commercial districts, but we're not getting it. Um, we're putting limitations on how much parking they can provide, which is a good thing. We are actually being much more formulaic in the design, which is also a good, like, I think that they're, like, towards community benefits, but I think that that's also a limit, you know, it, it's, it's tying them to things. They have to go two stories, even though we got the letter from Bricksmore saying, we don't want to go two stories, right? So I think that's, that's why I think that this is, a, it's, going, it's a good to try something new, because this has been allowed, much of this has been allowed for a while and nobody's done anything, with the couple exceptions of Lewis Jewelers and 
the realtor building, <laughs> right? Like there's just not been very much here or what we have seen is car centric. So that's my overall sense. Like I hear the concerns, but I also, it's a reaction to the present, not like what is actually allowed right now. In terms of zoning, this is not a dramatic change. And so actually for all the people that are like celebrating this, I would say this is not a huge dramatic change. Like we're just trying to like figure out if there's something that gets this redeveloped. Like that's my overall sense. Um, I also am of the camp that like we're because we're not see, going to see an overnight change across this whole, whole corridor. I would rather than wait to develop a new district. I would like to rezone it because we can always tweak this district. We ought to have tweaked the district. We ought to have tweaked the C3 when we saw it wasn't giving us what we wanted. Like. That's my sense. So I would say, like, I'm in favor of this. There's specific properties that I think that we should talk about potentially. Um, Maple Village is one of them, but um, that's the key thing on my list. And just, I had a student this summer who was working on understanding carbon neutrality, and she put together a nice calculator. And Houses that are built in Ann Arbor, because of our access to transit and because this is where the jobs are, produce from that, in terms of the driving, about 50% less emissions than in other places. So like, <laughs> even if we have no different standards than any of our neighbors, and we know that our units tend to be smaller, people who live here are driving less. And I think that that, like, there is a, there is a benefit in increasing density Especially if it means that we're allowed, we're, it enables us to further our non-motorized transportation system and our public transit system. So um, I think that there is a sustainable good in this. It do, and I'm with everything that Commissioner Dish said in terms of let's do things citywide, like not pick on a particular district. Thank you. I guess I would like to um, weigh in a little bit on something. One is that I'm, part of me is a little bit hesitant to do the same thing we did on State and Eisenhower here in that the street structure feels really different to me than State and Eisenhower in terms of um, the experience of the pedestrian and green. And I don't know, I would like to know if you all address this in your, in your discussions. Um, but if I look at the right-of-way along State and Eisenhower, there is, a, for the most part, a robust green area and then the sidewalk where you can put lots of street trees and things like that and you have plenty of sight distance if you're pulling forward to be able to see pedestrians and, um, and things like that. Here on Stadium, it is right up against the sidewalk and it's the sidewalk and then the curb. There's almost, there are very few places where there's green and it, if it's there, it's like itty bitty. That's why all the trees are on the other side. The trees are in between the buildings and the sidewalks. They're not, they're not in between the sidewalk and the road. And so my, like in general, I feel like the TC1 somewhat fits, but this part feels really different to me in terms of the character of this area versus State and Eisenhower. And I'm just wondering if there's any way to tweak this so that in terms of the setbacks, that we just have the ability to get street trees in here somewhere. Because we're not gonna have 
I mean, it, it, people can do what they want in terms of the, the zero setback to 15 or zero setback to 20 or whatever, but people could choose to do all zero setbacks and we have zero street trees that way. I mean, truly, we have zero street trees that way. And that's very different on State and Eisenhower. We have big areas of green. And again, it varies somewhat lot to lot, but for the most part, there's a really generous zone in there where you could get shade on the street and just that feeling of protection, you know, of walking along the, the street. Um, and that's just not going to happen here because there's just not enough room. And so um, I'm just wondering if there's any way to be able to tweak this so that it just feels more appropriate to what the reality is of something that we just cannot change. Like changing the right of way ain't going to happen. You know, I mean, that's, we can't do that. That's a takings. That's like not, not going to happen here. And so we're kind of left with the geometry that we have here to be able to work with. And as a landscape architect, I just feel compelled to be able to have some sort of green along there. Um, and what I, I don't understand is whether, you know, like if there's wiggle room, can it still be called TC1 and have it be different along here? Or does it mean like going back through the entire process and it means it's just TC2 or does it mean it's a TC1A or, um, I guess I still feel like there's things to discuss here about sort of how this really applies here. So I'm just curious if, um, number one, was that discussed at the ordinance review committee or as staff, if you all have opinions about this in terms of how this feels compared to state and Eisenhower. Yeah, go ahead, Commissioner Hammersmith. From what I remember, we did discuss what if we wanted to change the setbacks, right? Do you remember this? And I, th I think, because I, mean, I think, I, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, we did, I, I mean, I was, oh, I had similar concerns, of, you know, lack of green space. But I think, you know, to what Commissioner Mills said, like, I, I felt comfortable, I guess, moving this forward as TC1 and not trying to go back to a TC2, which I think was the explanation, Ms. Delio, as we were sort of discussing, like, what if there are dimensional changes that we want to make to TC1? Can we do that? And I think the answer was, well, no, it's, it kind of gets you into a different zoning district type of thing. Ms. Leo, do you want to weigh in on this, actually, to make sure that I'm remembering this correctly? Yeah. Um, well, it was part of the you know, menu of where, where do we go, uh, what could we possibly do. Um, it would be very hard. Um, it can be written with a lot of buts and except fors, but it would be hard to provide several um, options um, and standards within the same district, TC1. Um, that's why you have different zoning districts. Um, so it would, to have two sets of front setback requirements, um, entirely separate sets of requirements in the TC1 district would be cumbersome. Um, probably awkwardly written. I think it could be done, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, we didn't, and we didn't discuss it much further. I can tell you that um, other districts have um, a more mild um, exceptions, if you will. So they don't, other districts don't have, you know, well, when you're on the west 
when you're on the west side, for example, you know, this is your setback, and when you're on the east side. But some districts say, well, well the setback is zero to 10, uh, except when, um, I, I'm thinking of some um, in the downtown districts, but they say, except when you don't have at least this minimum dimension between the back of the back of the curb. So that would be a more, more mild approach. So it would apply to both the, the West Stadium area if, if rezoned, and then it would apply to the State Street area. So we can provide a little bit of that flexibility, but to have two entirely separate front setback standards in the same zoning district does get exceedingly awkward, and it's not great policy. Is, also, is it, it would oh. mean... Um, also, it would mean a, like a whole other petition. It would require a text amendment. It can be done, but we'd have to do that work. And then so you'd have to pick, do you want the rezoning to pause while that work is done? Do you want the rezoning to go move forward and then come back with a text amendment that would, you know, would apply? Um, or do you want no, no changes? But it, there's just procedural decisions to make. So, so is it possible? Oh, no, please go ahead, Mr. Laren. Um, so, um, street trees are required for development. So, but like, look at the right of way here. Yeah, I know. There's, there's and so, so on a development by development basis, we're going to have to answer the question on that standard. And there are uh, provisions where modifications be, can be granted. Sometimes those street trees have to be placed on private property. Um, I, I just want to acknowledge, though, that in a way, like, I don't think it changes your question that much, but you're not talking about street trees. You're talking about green space. The city, unless it changes the right of way or changes how it uses that right of way, has made its bed in regards to the potential of street trees on stadium. Right. So to be clear, uh, like, I think what you're talking about is, I, I just want to be realistic. Yeah. The notion of re-envisioning stadium with street trees, that is a city infrastructure project that is complex, hard, limited by real estate. Um, so I think your, your question is, uh, I guess what I'm hearing practically is, do you should there be green setbacks on private property from that right of way? So I just want to, you know, yeah. we do have street tree requirements, but I want, I, I just want to be realistic. I think when you're talking about that, no matter what happens, what decisions are made with the TC1 zoning district that apply to private property, that is not going to change and convert stadium into a tree, street tree lined in the lawn extension between the sidewalk and the curb. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And, um, and I agree that there's like, it, it's, it's just given the way the utilities are working through there, because I actually worked on part of stadium in a different part, and it's, it's just full of all kinds of things. It's very difficult to be able to pull that off. And so you're right, like what I'd really be saying is, and you know, with, the, the Platte Road petition, they were asking for a variance to be able to put their street trees on the property because of, for whatever reasons, you know, that they were fine challenging. So that may end up 
being what would have to happen along here is like everybody has to have a variance to be able to put their street trees on, you know, I mean, to be able to make it work practically in terms of kind of all the conflicts that are there. So you're right. What I'm really saying is I would like to see trees along stadium, whether they're categorized as street trees or whether they're categorized as, you know, whatever, right-of-way screening or whatever we would call it. Um, I would be enthusiastic about having some sort of green something in there since we have really backed ourselves into a corner on stadium in terms of having any kind of meaningful street trees in there. Because, I mean, there's less sidewalk there than there is on a lot of the downtown streets, you know, where, where, we, where we have, you know, people that, you know, sitting on cafes and, you know, things like that. It's like we don't, it, like the sidewalk here is, is smaller than a lot of the areas that we even have downtown. So I guess what I'm questioning in some ways, and, and maybe this is, um, you know, maybe it makes, maybe I'm talking myself into, does all of TC1 need to have a zero, like, should we, should we not have a zero setback line for TC1? I guess this is part of what I'm asking. Like, is it so terrible to have some, some space between the sidewalk and the road, especially given the speeds of these things, which is really different than downtown and lots of pedestrians and things like that, does it make more sense to have there be some sort of broad TC1 thing that applies to both districts? And I realize this is work and, you know, I, I get it. But, you know, just in terms of safety, and we're trying to make this easier for people to be able to bike and walk and all those things and having buildings right on the property line it makes it hard it truly does it does i mean just the reality of how far forward you have to pull to be able to see you have to be in the sidewalk lane you know the crossing in order to be able to see so does it does it make more sense to have there be kind of a gap in the TC1 in general, should this apply to State and Eisenhower, which doesn't need it as badly in terms of the amount of space that's there, but maybe that's a different way to handle it rather than what you're saying, Ms. DeLeo, which is, you know, we can't really have a TC1 stadium and a TC1 State and Eisenhower. It gets clunky and difficult. Um, so I guess I'm just putting that out there. I don't, I don't want to be the one to, like, stop the train because I feel like this train is really important. But I also, like, don't want to do something that I feel like isn't good design either. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we're going to have to change it anyway, you know, I don't know. This is, my, my, my opinion is that I'm uncomfortable with having buildings zero setback line on stadium. That just feels too... Um, it doesn't feel safe to me in terms of pedestrians coming back and forth and cars pulling in and out. And so many of these things now have a, a, the whole stadium development along here has the in and out two curb cuts for each development. That's the way that it's been developed over time here. So there's a ton, there's a ton of them. And, and frankly, that's what fire requires of us a lot now anyway, is to be able to pull in and pull out. And so it would likely stay based on our fire safety standards. So anyway, I'm putting that conundrum out there. Um, and I guess a part of me feels a little funny about like, I guess I was envisioning that our, our next discussion about TC1 would be like us discussing it, not necessarily we're voting on it or not. It, 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 it feels a little, I don't know. I feel a little like left out of whatever the discussion was. We kind of had this one shot at it a couple of months ago. And maybe I should have attended the ordinance review 
um, committee's meeting. Um, but it, I don't know. I feel like there's still things to kind of work through. I guess is. Go ahead. So I, I mean, this is covered. I just I just want to, if I could reiterate. So this this rezoning is yours. The planning commission has communicated to the council and instructed me and my team to start city initiated rezonings of TC1. And you communicated that we were gonna do it in State and Eisenhower, and then we were gonna look at Stadium, and then we we're gonna look at Washtenaw, and then Plymouth, if I, were, I hope I have that order right. Um, and so there's, there's a fair amount of discussion at, about what transpired at the ORC, and I, I just wanna reiterate it's been said, but the ORC, I just want to tell you how we use that, how I use it. We use that as a work session, a sounding board of your colleagues to help us craft hopefully a better product for your consideration. And so that's, as, as Commissioner Mills indicated, they, they don't make a decision. We presented some questions we presented, I think, some we presented some challenges um, to that ORC, and I'll I'll confess too the, that in retrospect, I we presented some of those challenges in a way that I felt uncomfortable with afterwards that we authored them because this was your petition, this is something that you directed us to do. But I want to be clear to your question about you know as a public hearing, that is exactly the nature I think of what the ORC was saying. Um, what I heard from them is no, TC1 seems appropriate to put forth for a public hearing to solicit comment and feedback and to make a determination if it feels right. So I don't want to put words in the mouths of those commissioners, but I think part of that conversation was this is moving forward and now it's time to have that test with the full commission and the public. Um, and I, I, think, I, I think that there was legitimate um, interest in making sure we're starting with sort of the most f expansive geography that we envisioned with the district as it is to start this conversation. And so, again, I don't want to speak for any commissioners, but this is absolutely the time to say, well, we need more information or we have more questions about this. Um, I, I don't want you to feel like because a public hearing is scheduled that you are under a time crunch. You, some commissioners have expressed an interest in moving on this. You've heard from members of the public, but I just want to be absolutely clear that 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 is the that is the policy making process that we are under right now. That's the purpose of this. If you have questions, if there are tweaks, that's where you will send us back to say these are areas that we would like further inf information on. These are areas that we'd like further options on. These are geographies we'd like to look at differently. So, I, I would just say that for the, for the purpose of you as the commission want to get this as good as possible, not as quickly as possible. Okay. Thanks. Commissioner Clark. Um, so I just wanted to mention, um, I think with the building setback, um, there's something to be said with, especially since we're going to be having these beat denser corridors, and as soon as we start moving the setbacks further back, um, it creates a wider appearance of the road, and there's quite a bit of research on how uh, narrower appearing roads are actually safer and reduce speeds, because I think we'll kind of run into a bit of a trap here if we 
start uh, reconsidering the setbacks and then the road starts getting visually wider and that it kind of encourages um, vehicular traffic being center to the entire corridor. And I just want to be careful that we don't fall into that, especially, you know, like street trees also are obstructing vision and they're also a good traffic calming method. And so if we're not having a lot of street trees there, if there's having wide open visual cue, um, sight lines for drivers is kind of a, a tricky point that I think has been kind of, there's a lot of research out there and I'm not entirely sure that we need to revisit the setback, but um, that's all I gotta say. Yeah, I think my, um, I hear your concern um, and appreciate your perspective. I think the thing that uh, struck me was, uh, I wonder if we could accomplish what you are articulating through a road diet as opposed to a setback, because I personally, uh, <laughs> Mr. Leonard just had a very lovely comment about, we don't have to do things fast, we could do it at your time, and I was, I think I advocated that we do all of the TC1s at the same time, and I was told that it would take up all of staff time to do all of the TC1s at the same time, and so we were gonna do them by corridor. So this fills at the, I mean, honestly, it feels at the right pace. It, you know, there's been lots of feedback. I saw the public hearing at the Westgate Library. I've read every single comment that has come in. And quite honestly, I expected to hear more negative comments than I did. Like, I've been running a tally. I didn't actually hear, like, a majority of the comments being negative. There have, this was a time where I'm like, oh, wow, residents are actually paying attention to this in a, in a different way. There's not just one group of people that we constantly hear from who might not agree with something like this, but there's a wide section of people, including people in the residents, who are like, hey, this looks good. I do wanna to get to the uh, Mapleville, uh, the Maple uh, Village, because you brought that up, Commissioner Mills, and uh, Ms. DeLeo did as well. But I think in terms of what I hear you asking for, Commissioner Gibrandel, I wonder if the zoning can stay in place, but we look at addressing the concerns that you are articulating through a different tool. And that tool might be um, a road diet or um, uh, traffic islands along that road, if we couldn't get it as a road diet, where we're putting in uh, green spaces along that space. It is a very dangerous um, contrary to the feedback that we heard tonight about I walk in this area, I avoid this area. This is one area of our city, which I love, that I avoid. Like, if I don't have to go on that side of town, I do not go on that side of town. It is just, it just, it, uh, one caller commented, like, it's car land. And for me, it just increases the anxiety. And it's that whole scanning thing that you're doing when you're biking. Like, you just don't know at what moment someone's going to bump up to you or clip you or whatever, and you're just, you're not relaxed, you're just constantly in your uh, reptile brain trying to stay alive. That's what I feel when I go through that. So I, I'm, I don't wanna dismiss what you're saying, and I look through the Google map, up Stadium as well as up Maple, and a lot of things are already set back. Right. I mean, when you look at it, it's all, with the exception of the Planned Parenthood uh, which is just the parking lot comes straight to the sidewalk. 
everything is set back in, in the painting store. I think the painting store, the subway, and the Planned Parenthood are the only things that come straight to the sidewalk. But everything else, there's green, there's a sidewalk, and it's a setback. So I wonder if we can get closer to what you want through a different tool as opposed to sending this back, changing the setbacks, then having to change the setbacks in a zone that we've already created and then have to rework that again because, yeah. I, um, I would be very surprised if we could road diet this road a whole lot more than it already has been because there's already bike lanes on it. There's, already, there's like we only have so much right of way here. Um, just in terms of my own experience with design, I think it would be pretty tricky to be able to pull that off. And when stadium was redone about maybe 10 or 12 years ago, it was given a road diet in a place where it made sense over near the intersection of 7th and stadium. And then it widened out again where it, and, and that's when the bike lanes were put in and all that sort of thing. Now, you know, that's made with assumptions based on car speed and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you have different standards for engineers in, in terms of how we think about these areas. But um, I, I do worry still a little bit about the setback thing. And I'm just gonna say this because if you think about downtown and you think about if you're ever on the sidewalk and you have those alleys coming out, that's what it's like, people. When you're at a road downtown, you have all kinds of sight distance around you because of the sidewalks. But think about the alleys. That's what it's like coming up to zero setback. That's what it's like. So that's pretty difficult to pull off on State and Eisenhower and Stadium, I think. I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable with the zero setback thing. I really am. I think that, like, I get it that we want it to feel urban, but I think if we can figure out a different way of queuing, like what Commissioner Clark is saying, that there are ways to do that besides just the building. Like, street trees can be this for you, too. Like, it really can. And I don't want the buildings 40 feet back. That's not what I'm saying. But can we have a gap that allows some sort of queue, whether it's trees or, you know, whatever? I just remember working in this area, and it is just full of utilities like it's going to be really hard to be able to put any street trees in that corridor that's why when they improved it they just put in street lamps that's what they did to kind of give it a, a frame was that because they couldn't pull off the trees i did the trees in the areas where where you could pull it off and it's way further to the south so it's just tricky to be able to do this stuff and i so again like the true, you know, like I also did the building at 618 South Main, and that building is seven and a half feet back from the back of the sidewalk. And it's still hard there to be able to pull forward on Mosley and really see what's going on. It's like, I'm just talking about the reality of like what it truly feels like. And it's just something that I deal with in terms of my professional work of what it, like around design. And so I'm, and, and I probably should have spoken up sooner with the State and Eisenhower thing, because I just, I don't know that it's appropriate to have the zero there, given the speeds that we have. They're not 25 miles an hour like they are downtown. They're just not. And there's just more volume and things like that with the highways and stuff like that. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm struggling with this, I guess, is what I'm saying. And, um, there's a version that I could see where we pass it, but then we go back. But I would really like to go back to do it because I feel like 
I feel like it's important based on the context of what we are dealing with here. We are not doing downtown where we have these much lower speeds and high expectation of like lots of people walking around. It's just a different, it, it's where we want it to grow towards that, but it's probably never gonna be the downtown downtown in terms of how, what, how that's experienced, I think, because it just has access to highways and you know it's just higher volume i think than than what the downtown is people don't shop in the downtown in the same way that they shop in these areas and i think we want them we want those retail places to be successful so that's where i am with things i'm a little muddled about this um so i'm just being real with y'all about what where i am uh with it commissioner mills commissioner clark i see your hand too mine is um, is yours on this Go for yeah. it. I just wanted to clarify. So my point about street trees wasn't that maybe that we need street trees or other calming methods. It's more that um, in lieu of trees, that a building takes the emphasis off the road and onto the buildings and walkability. Like, you know, I've never been to a, a place that's walkable that has the buildings set for their back. And I just think we're going to get into a trap where if we try and rely on other um, traffic calming measures or we put that in there that the building setback staying further back, that's a really long-term decision, and we will never get to lower speeds. We're like building ourselves into faster roads. So the trees, the street trees not being present, you know, they also obstruct the visual, you know, the visual sight line. So the site, so basically what my point is that the trees um, not being there, being there, they're the, pretty much the same thing or a less effective version of the buildings being right up to the road. And sorry, it's late and I was kind of muddled, but I just wanted to clarify that I wasn't saying that other methods should be used. It's just that the buildings are effective in slowing traffic. Yeah, and, and I hear you about that. I, I get that. I think there are places like in Vancouver where they actually have like setbacks of green that are highly landscaped that are quite beautiful that make it so that you can have these really tall buildings and then you have like a zone that is highly landscaped in between the building and the road, which would be lovely, you know? So I think it's also just how we accept it, which is like, it's long. I mean, there's a bunch of these properties that have zero trees. I mean, that's the other thing is that a lot of them are just tree less. Um, they're just a lawn area and who want, that's pointless in my mind. So anyway, Commissioner Mills. On this, because I feel you. I mean, I, I'll say like as a cyclist, the zero lot line doesn't affect me as much, but whenever, I mean, I if I drive, it's downtown because I, live on the edge of town right and like it's diff it's challenging as a driver to pull out of a place where the building ends at the s sidewalk it's scary as a pedestrian on the sidewalk especially with small children like yes. so i so i hear you what i also hear though is that I, what and and you should correct me i'm not hearing you say right now it's 0 to 15 or 0 to 20 and i'm not hearing you say change that to 15 or 20 i'm hearing you say maybe not have it allow at 0 <laughs> or have i really like what the suggestion was earlier which is if this is not your situation if you don't have a gigantic i don't i don't know what the right name is <laughs> if you don't if if that sidewalk or that sidewalk extension isn't big mm -hmm. then you can't do zero like and this is the thing that tailors it to all of the places but it still doesn't what i'm what i want to be clear about i would be cool with that and i think taking that to other quarters allows this to be more adaptable i'll be saying i'll be honest that i don't i wouldn't be cool with extending the maximum setback distance mm -hmm. 
Like, I want to keep it at 15. Like, and actually, that is, that is still moving us closer, but it's not ridiculously closer. Like, it's in the realm of where we're expecting C1 and C2 and C3 to be built anyway. Sure. So, like, I'm, I'll just say, like, if I had to, you know, do something right now, I would like to move forward with rezoning this, but I would quickly follow it up with that, what I see as a relatively small text amendment that gives more flexibility on that zero um, and maybe ties it to how big that curb is now. And just to say, S S Commissioner Hammerschmidt and I were, like when you said something about the road diet, that did come up at the ORC. Just for, <laughs> We said like, <laughs> why are we only talking about it on private property? Like, this is our problem. But I also acknowledge that like, there may be limitations there. That's the someday goal. Um, so that's my two cents on this. And I don't know how, if that is. The zero is my problem. <laughs> it's not the 15 and it, 20. It, it's, it's like, the, and yeah. that's okay. I mean, it, like I'd accept 25, but I'm not gonna quibble about that. It's the zero that I just, I just think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be really hard to pull forward and to be able to have all those things balanced there. I, I just think it's gonna be really hard. I, it, it's, it's a driveway, not a street. That's the difference between downtown and here. If you've ever pulled, if you watch those alleys and you see the cars like inching forward, it's because they're right there. And so when you have a street, you have sidewalks, you have a lot of other things that are giving you room to see around the buildings. But if you have a driveway coming through at two zero setback buildings, you just don't have a lot of room to be able to see what's going on in front of you. Do you see, I mean, I, I see some, Commissioner Clark. Honestly, I think that's the whole point, though, is because instead of a car just pulling out at five, 10 miles an hour, if they're inching forward, I would much rather be hit by a car that's going, you know, inching forward onto the sidewalk than somebody who just kind of, oh, it clear, looks one way and doesn't see the person the other way. And like even the other day, I was on camp, you know, on campus driving and found myself falling into this a little bit where I looked one way and then kind of kept going and didn't see the pedestrian. There's a wide open visual line, but I know that you know, drivers, you tend to be much more careful driving in an urban environment. No one, you know, with those alleyways, you don't ever find somebody come peeling out with, without, with doing a rolling stop. You have to stop and inch your way out. And I think as someone lives on a busy intersection that has to inch my way out when I back out across the sidewalk, I am always really keenly aware of whether there's a pedestrian coming behind the sidewalk. Whereas, you know, if you're just, if you have a clear line of, of sight, people are much less likely to be careful while driving. And that's, I think, the whole point is that it's inconvenient for the driver and it has, you forces you to inch forward. And that's kind of by design. And so I'm, I'm very comfortable with the zero setback because I think that kind of is what makes it work. That's the... Commissioner Weich. Um, I'd, I'd like to move on. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> yep. Go ahead. Okay, so then um, the... Uh, contrary to some of the comments we received, we actually did hear from developers and landowners, um, even though I have heard universally that this is a giveaway to developers, that we are giving away everything and asking for nothing. There are developers who also don't like TC1. And so I found that to be, um, I'm glad you're laughing, because <laughs> I actually, found that to be interesting because it was a counter narrative to this notion that this is just a windfall for every developer 
and they're going to cash in as soon as this zoning thing makes a change. So, Ms. DeLeo, I asked you about the uh, remodel because a lot of the concerns that were shared about the businesses were a property owner is going to kick out stadium hardware and sell their lot to a luxury condo developer and we need to figure out how to stop that. And uh, we had a developer come in and say, I have tenant agreements um, that I have already created and this zoning harms those tenant agreements. They then said, if I want it to remodel, you're now making me build two stories instead of just remodeling one story. And so I asked, um, and I just would love for you to clarify for all of us who are still listening, um, the, what would trigger that two-story minimum um, requirement in the TC1 if I was a developer. So it's not gonna get triggered if I change the face of the building. So if I'm putting up a new awning or even a new facade on the building, because I'm not constructing anything new. I'm just like putting up a new face, like a frame on the outside of the building. That won't trigger the minimum uh, two-story height. Um, if I am subdividing a tenant space, so let's say I had a 10,000 square foot tenant and now I'm building four 2,500 square foot tenants, that won't trigger it. The only thing that triggers it is, so point to you now. <laughs> Um, additional floor area, which would be an addition to the existing building, making your 10,000 square foot building 13,000 square feet, or building a whole new building, so going from zero to whatever it might be. Um, major site remodeling um, also is a development activity that needs a site plan approval, um, but what it means you're going to ex parking lot or you're going to completely redo your parking lot reorient it um, a major uh, site improvement would also trigger site plan review requirements but it's the site plan review requirements site plans have to comply with zoning to be approved and then when do you, so then when do you need to submit a site plan and our triggers are new floor area um, but work within existing floor area is exempt from site plan review it still requires building permits, but. So we know that from the feedback we got from the developer that they may not take advantage of TC1 and put uh, residential, what I guess we could probably get to about 120 stories uh, in the Maple Village parking lot in that big section of the parking lot that doesn't really get used. Uh, but let's say they did do that. They took that big section out, they went up to the height limit, they put residential uh, in there. Does that require them to then sweep around the entire development and take it up to two stories? So Plum Market has to go to two stories, Oshmagosh, the dollar store, which is now $5 because of inflation. Like do <laughs> any of those stores have to go to two stories? Yeah, I think the dollar store is like more like a dollar fifty store. Okay, um, but, thank you. Um, that was a good correction. Because there's also because there's also a five below there, so there's. <laughs> I was conflating um, them. Yeah, no, the um, 
Um, if work is not being done to the main L, then, the, then that remains. As an existing non-conforming, that stays there. That building is not being touched. The new building does need to be two stories or whatever number of stories. Okay, and then it. our most beloved uh, structure in this corridor is the Dairy Queen. Um, are there any threats to the Dairy Queen with the TC1? Well, see, pros and cons to the Dairy Queen. Um, pro, no parking required. So, oof, Dairy Queen. Uh, pro, oh, the Queen, I think, has like a three-foot setback on the side. Um, on the side. But Dairy Queen is single story. So that's a pros and cons. It's a wash with... Um, with Dairy Queen. I think Dairy Queen, though, is honestly is an example of, it's a really, really small site. And I don't think that you can redevelop it very well under its current C3. So um, it, Dairy Queen has challenges now, and I think it'll continue to have challenges. Um, but this might make, you know, they might, um, it, it has challenges now anyway, and it's, probably going to continue to have challenges. And I think we're just, it's a wash. We're swapping some for the other. Um, I'm sure if Dairy Queen wants to redevelop, either way, with this rezoning or without, some creativity is gonna be needed and maybe some flexibility, just because there's, it's a tiny, tiny site. And then one last question, and going back to Stadium Hardware, because that has been in the minds of folks along that corridor as one of these local businesses that we wanna preserve and make sure that they can thrive in this new zoning district. Let's say, I don't know the situation with Stadium Hardware, whether they own their site or are renters there, but let's say they had a developer and they're renting from it. Uh, does TC1 prevent the Stadium One or Stadium Hardware from not being on that ground, store, uh, ground floor as long as it meets the zoning requirements? You don't know, it's not prevented. Um, okay. They can they can be part of the mix of mixed uses. So we could put the stadium hardware back on the floor and stack up uh, housing on top of it as the height limit um, allows. Right. Okay. Thank you so much, Commissioner Hammerschmidt. I guess I just want to summarize kind of like how I'm thinking about this now, and I appreciate this discussion that we've had tonight. Um, and you know, Commissioner Mills, I think started with some of this, or you said this at some point, because we haven't seen any of the development that is currently allowed that we want, like that is why to me rezoning is so important. And you know, I don't see this as a giveaway to developers. I think that this is really helping us as a community ensure that we get the types of development that we want. I think we all remember the proposal for the storage on stadium. That is currently allowed. That is not the type of, we heard the community loud and clear, that is not the type of development that they want. And luckily the developer you know, pulled out of that, but I think this proactive rezoning is making sure that we are getting the form and the density that we want, that you know, that density to, to, to an extent is allowed, but we're not getting it. And so this way I think by doing the proactive rezoning, which I think a lot of people have had concerns with, like this kind of forces the hand a little bit more than you know, anything that's currently allowed. Um, I think, to, you know, the, to the point of setbacks right now, this is a, it's a really wide corridor that, frankly, I would not want to cross on foot. I think, you know, if we want to get something that is truly bikeable and walkable and, and that feels more comfortable, 
the road just can't be that wide. And I know that we do not have any control over that. I think that the, in the future, there probably is going to be an opportunity to reduce the number of driving, driving lanes, widen the sidewalks, and add in trees. Um, and so I think where I'm struggling with the setbacks, and I think I, I'm, I'm open to the suggestion that Ms. DeLeo made earlier that I could not reiterate right now about sort of like if, you know, if the sidewalks are really narrow, then we could extend, I don't really remember what she said, <laughs> you know. Um, yes, yes. Then the minimum would not be zero. But, you know, if, if we're thinking specifically about like how this applies on stadium, if we did narrow the road, which I think sort of has to happen to get that sort of feeling that I think people really want in terms of walkability and bikeability, then any building that's built, you know, five or 10 or whatever the setback is, gets even further back. And you want those buildings, and to Commissioner Clark's point, you want those buildings to be as close to the road as possible to sort of encourage the slowing of traffic. Um, so anyway, I guess summarizing all of that, I'm very comfortable with this, but I would be open to modifying TC1 fully, sort of to that suggestion that you all just said about the not zero because if sidewalks are narrow. Commissioner Clark? Just a quick question. Um, for my memory, what was, where did we land on the transparent street first floors on the corners? It's required, is my. So does that do anything to get us to um, safer feeling crossings and stuff if we have transparent first floors for the visibility? Um, just out of curious, I know that that's one tool in the toolbox, one reason for transparent first floors. I don't know if that's, so we did end up, it's, so it's, is it just at the corners that they have at to the be? the corners of the, of the okay. property, not necessarily the corners where drives would be coming in and out. Okay. Because I think the, like, and, and again, you know, this would all need to be rejiggered and things like that. But um, right now, the vast majority of uh, sites I've worked on have ended up needing two, for, two entries for fire because they need to loop through because they can't turn around. They have to have a big hammerhead or something like that. And so it ends up often being two to be able to make it um, worth it. Obviously on a tiny site, that's not gonna happen. Um, but they're too far, um, the road right of way doesn't allow you to do it there um, in terms of ha you have to have access within your site. So my guess is, is that there's, and, and this would all need to be corroborated. I'm kind of speaking off the top of my head here. But I think the, the, the transparency is at the corners of your yeah. lot, or is the corners of the block, is it? Or is it the corners of your lot? It's the corners of public street, public Yeah, street. so it's not of your it's lot. intersection yeah. of two public streets. So where the traffic is. Where, right, where the, where the main roads are coming in and out. And what's the percentage of transparent front buildings? So that's a question for city staff. Oh. I think we have 60% double checking. Okay, cool, thanks. Go ahead, Commissioner White. Would you, uh, Commissioner Giprando, uh, would you consider a trigger in the TC1 along the lines of a five foot minimum setback at a curb cut?
Mr. Leonard made a yeah. really strong face when I said that. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> <laughs> no face, just thinking. Um, yeah, I, I, that's something that I think we'd have to like explore more deeply than just kind of on the on the fly because well, it, it's difficult. Because what I'm trying to get to, to is if we were able to pass the TC1, but then we could do a text amendment that had a trigger that was in it. So then that way it wouldn't require it universally in places where it doesn't need to be, but that it, it would be something we could debate to address the concern that you're articulating without making you feel like it has to be ignored. Like in order to, just using what you said earlier, we're on a train, you see the momentum of the train, you don't want to stop the train, but you do have these concerns and you're conflicted. And so then it's like, what if we got to a place where we could like figure out a, an amendment that would satisfy the concern that you're articulating without sending it all the way back to staff, without bringing another public hearing, without having to sort of do these steps again? Um, it's, it's just yeah, thought. and I guess, and thank you for asking. <laughs> um, um, I think that um, there's a path that I could see passing it, knowing that I am going to be bugging you all to come back and change some of these things, because I feel like I'm spewing a bunch of stuff that I generally know, but I feel like there has to be a lot more understood about truly how these things are going to lay out here. Because, again, I think we're sort of all imagining things, but it's like, I feel like we really need to kind of hone this and figure it out. Um, I don't know that anybody's going to be redeveloping anything next week based on this, you know? So I think that, um, especially given the history that really they could have been doing a lot of this for the last 30 years and nobody has. Um, but I, I feel like there needs to be some sort of fine tuning done because I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the zero setback thing. And, and I, I, I'm, I think there's probably some nuanced way that we can deal with slowing people down, queuing the road being narrower, and being able to have safety addressed with some of these things and not have it feel like just a concrete jungle either. Um, so I think I could pass this tonight because I know it requires me <laughs> to do this too, if other people are. But I really, I really feel like this needs to be fine-tuned. I really do. And so it, that does mean, really, it is going, it would be going back to staff and going through all this again. I mean, that's the thing. It's like so, but it would, it could enable people to be able to kind of start working on things and stuff like that. So I, I, I feel like this needs to be fine-tuned. I feel like none of us really has the sense of the design implications of what this is going to mean and that, I don't know if it means modeling it or, you know, whatever, just to get a sense of what that's. Commissioner Hammer. So let me ask you this really quickly. Do you think, because I know, you know, initially TC1 was designed to be flexible and apply anywhere, and I think, like, as we're seeing the, you know, going deeper into applying it onto different corridors, we're sort of discovering these things that, you know, right. I think you even said yourself, like, I didn't really think about that when we were talking about, you know, State and Eisenhower. I'm wondering then, like, would you feel comfortable going through the other, like, looking at Washington on next, like, looking at, then looking at Plymouth and seeing, like, are there more things? I mean, I'd hate to like go through a million different changes. You know, I I think we need to. I think this change that that you're talking about the setbacks like will be universally beneficial with the like sort of flexing. 
especially in places like stadium where we don't, don't have like the ability for like street trees and we do need those to like make that feel welcoming and walkable. But you know, we're going to discover something else on Washington uh, and, right. and Plymouth. So like how comfortable do you feel, you know, like potentially we wouldn't, you know, we're talking about maybe a year from now or more doing some of these amendments. Like uh, that's a good question. Right. <laughs> and and the other thing is, like, you know, given this experience, does it make sense that, like, it may not be TC1 for these other things? They may have different versions based on whatever they are. And I think that's kind of, I think, part of what we need to be open to is that these situations may be different in some of these places that require us to have it be a TC2 or a TC3. Now, the thing that I'm seeing, the difference between these two corridors, it's like one dimension. It's not like 15 dimensions. And so I feel like... Okay, we can probably work with that. But I don't want to guarantee anything about Washington or Plymouth because it's like I haven't really looked at those yet to understand what the implications are, you know, there. So, but I could imagine that there could be different versions of this TC business, you know, for these other areas. Um, yeah, I guess. Based on, like, I think some of it is until you kind of get into that corridor and really start thinking about the implications of it that it doesn't become clear to you because it wasn't mm -hmm. the same issue in some ways as State and Eisenhower because you have plenty of room. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you don't think about it until it's like, well, just a second, we well, have no room here. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like, on their face, I think Washington and Plymouth feel similar enough to me to these areas that I would be like, yeah, I think TC1 makes sense. And maybe there will be these, like, minor tweaks that we're talking about. Something like Packard, I don't know. Yeah, right. That, that maybe is where we start with, like, TC2. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. I hope you're, I hope you're, I guess I'll just say, I'll hope you're comfortable with uh, maybe holding on some of these amendments until we sort of explore these a little bit further. But And, and that's a question, I think, too, about sort of which, you know, what happens next, right, with some of this, because, you know, whether it's a, a revision of whatever this thing is, or we move on to the next section. And that's something I think we can, I don't think anybody has to decide any of that right now. Um, but I like just thinking about all this out loud, I, I think I'm okay with passing this tonight, just knowing that I think it, we need a little bit of minor tweaking to be able to manage the differences between the physical characteristics between these very different corridors, really, in terms of the reality of how they lay out. And I think that was always the intention. Like, with, I mean, with zone, like we knew that it wasn't gonna be perfect. So now we're finding right. ways that it's not. <laughs> Any other? No? Commissioner Dish. I just want to make sure that I'm understanding, and I also want to ask for feedback from staff on the direction that we're taking right now. Um, so I'm understanding that none of us believes that passing TC1 zoning will make a thousand flowers bloom overnight. But we do know that what we have seen are proposals for forms of development, particularly on this quarter, that we don't like, that TC1 prohibits. So that's sort of one thing that we know. So we know we have time. But I'm trying to get my head around what the problem is. And, um, and I'm also trying to think about how I behave on these kinds of places, because I'm often on Plymouth and I'm sometimes on Stadium. And I, I know that I almost never go straight out onto the main road. I'm always trying to go out onto the side, onto a street that's a side street. And I'm understanding that 
there are some places where you can do that and some places where you can't. And the problem with stadium is that we're working in an environment where there are a lot of driveways, right? And so it's not a city grid, actually. And so we're asking for an urban form in a thing that, an infrastructure that's not a city grid. So, okay, so, so I think I understand the problem. Um, I, I think that earlier Mr. Leonard said something about there, there are things that just are true about stadium that TC1 isn't going to change and can't change. So I'm trying to square all these things and I just, if I'm, so I feel like, okay, I understand the problem. I don't necessarily understand what I feel like I should do, but I'd be interested to just ask for staff to express opinion at this point. Um, and doesn't it feel weird that Ms. DeLeo is sitting in front of the same wall that we're sitting in front of, but we're looking at her? Okay. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, so what I, uh, just to reiterate, I think what I'm hearing is a question of green. And it's, I think, I don't, I think that it is a trade-off. Um, as we have all concluded, stadium, I think it is unlikely for a very long period of time to be a tree-lined street. I think that by providing uh, zero setbacks, we are increasing flexibility towards a more constrained feeling right-of-way, albeit potentially with a more urbanized feel. If we think that green is critical within the space between those buildings, then I think it's worthwhile to explore a greater setback. But I, I do want to be clear, and maybe Commissioner Gabe Randall, five or 10 feet of a setback, I don't know. Right. I don't know that that will accomplish it. We might very well, if that's the goal is to add green, you might very well be talking about setbacks that are more akin to what are there now maximum of 25 feet. I don't know. I'm sure that there's some variability, but um, like, I, I'm just speculating that by simply adding a five foot minimum setback is not going to solve that problem. So um, I sort of feel like the question is, I think TC1 and Stadium is gonna memorialize that street in its way. That has some benefits to traffic calming. I think it has some benefits to pedestrian um, comfort. I think it has some benefits to reducing speed and bicycle access and the like. I think that might make it more challenging to add green within that space. And so I, 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 I sort of feel like it is sort of a trade-off, like when we're talking about um, scenarios that if the sidewalk is X, then it might be more. Uh, that 
I don't, that doesn't seem to me like it's going to solve the problem. I mean, this is a, it's a pretty big infrastructure character defining thing that even if that type of standard is applied on a case by case basis there, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a long time before that's realized. Perhaps if that is determined to be an important goal, it might make more sense to declare that we want this to be more of a, um, parkway type feel than an urban type feel. Um, off the cuff, that seems a little less transit supportive to me. Most of the, our experience in, in um, planning is that bringing the uses as close to those transit stops is better for that dynamic. So I, I, I mean, I think what I'm hearing is you're wrestling with the character of stadium. You're wrestling with should it feel like more like um, maybe South U that that even has some street trees, but it's it's very urban, and I think I think I'm, I'm hearing in the planning commission. I think the same way. I think maybe some of the commissioners are trying to figure out, you know, snapping the fingers. What's the long? -term, what does this look like long term? I think Commissioner Gabrandel is thinking, what if it's all developed at zero setback? Nobody chooses to do a wide, uh, a deeper setback, even though it's permissible. Um, it's gonna be very stark. But I think, again, unless we wanna mandate green there, um, if, if that's, I sort of think that's the conversation. If we want to mandate green there, I don't know that this sort of, a sort of slight modification, it might very well be that we want a setback. We want a more suburban style setback along that corridor or some setback that is going to provide some green space. I would just want to clarify a little bit. I would say that there's the green thing. That's how I started. Um, I think the other piece for me is safety, which is to Commissioner Dish's point that because there is, this is much more of a linear experience here. It's not, the, the, the streets that come in are not that frequent. The blocks are really long. And so because of that, there's going to be a whole bunch of driveways all the way through here. This is not going to be like the downtown street front thing with the one alley that's in the middle of a short block. This is many, these are many, 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 many drives along a stretch that are all gonna be penetrating through this thing. And so that's like that's a piece of what I'm talking about too. The, the green is there too, for sure. But, but that's, that's I think the, the form, this is where I think like, and again, I, I'm, I'm okay with putting this off, but I feel like, and ultimately I know this is tough because this is like doing some modeling, which is not easy, I, I get it, in terms of the capacity of staff to do this, but I think that like what we have in our heads of sort of these buildings all up close, it's like we're not imagining that there's also 25 drives in there too. And what that really means in terms of pedestrians and bicyclists and things like that. And so I get the street wall thing, but this is where I just think some sort of modeling of what that's really gonna be in terms of the, the because all buildings downtown are in parking lots. You know, that's, that's the thing they, and you know, so, and because we don't have the infrastructure that Plymouth does of having these side streets that your parking lot goes out onto that side street that then takes you to the light that then allows you to get onto that, that's really different. So this is where, again, they just are, 
it's even easier on Washtenaw because they're all connected and so they share these parking lots. Whereas here, there's just a whole bunch of little sites in, in a lot of these. And then plus we have some big, huge, massive ones. <laughs> You know, so there's just stuff all over the place, you know, in this in this district. So, yeah, and I I don't think it solves solves the concern. I I don't I don't mean to say that it's not a concern because of this, but I want to come back to and I've, this is one of the things that we had the conversation with at the ordinance revisions committee is, you know, one of our analysis was the 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 land pattern here is very different than State and Eisenhower. State and Eisenhower, big parcels, stadium a blend, but also a lot of small parcels. And so I do want to acknowledge that the likely, whatever an extreme redevelopment of it looks like, it's probably going to be less curb cuts than what you're seeing now. It's not to say that there's still not a lot, not to say that that is not an issue if there's just one, but I do want to acknowledge that that was part of the conversation is that we were wrestling with is, it is TC1 on the Dairy Queen lot is very unlikely to result in redevelopment. If the Dairy Queen lot is consolidated with something else, that those chances happen. And that's gonna increase the chances that we're gonna have some sense in how we adjust and modify what may start as multiple curb cuts into fewer curb cuts or better organized curb cuts. So I, I, I do wanna acknowledge that the potential here is that the problem gets better with TC1, but I don't, it is a it is a different corridor, so mm -hmm. I just want yeah, to and that's that. a, that's a good point. You know, people may end up recombining, but that's the other thing is is understanding what that means in terms of the patterns of what's there, and you know how all that might change too with this. You know, so those are all things to consider too. Alrighty, we've had a long discussion. And it's late, <laughs> um, so any other? Comments? Okay. Alrighty. So uh, I guess the other thing I just want to say really briefly is that, boy, am I looking forward to some sort of citywide version of what Commissioner Dish is talking about in terms of incentives for um, for uh, sustainability, whether it's jumping the, the line, you know, or something, because I, I'm. But I, I don't think it's tied to just this district. Um, and I know that there are some conversations in the works around some of those things. Go ahead, Commissioner Mills. I would just say that was also at an ORC. And what ORC recommended was we ha bring it to all of the commission because, I, because our sense was that staff presented us with a couple different options and we wanted to do them all. Yeah. But we wanted to like <laughs> know what other people thought. So that's coming. Okay. But I don't know that it would go directly to a hearing. I think we talked about doing it as a working session. Right. And actually, so that's good feedback too. Like if you if you would have felt more comfortable with this as a working session first, like that's good feedback to ORC. Mm -hmm. yeah. Alrighty, so are we ready for a vote then? It's not quite 11. <laughs> And then we get more public comment too. <laughs> right. Um, I am embarrassed to say, um, through all that um, thoughtful conversation, I forgot to note who moved and seconded the motion. Thank you. Is that correct? Was it Mills' addition? But I think it may have been in addition Mills' order, but yeah, whatever. 
Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you all can flip a coin. <laughs> all right. Thank you. All right. So this is uh, a vote to recommend the rezoning as proposed. Commissioner Mills. Yes. Commissioner Gibrandle. Yes. Commissioner Hammerschmidt. Yes. Commissioner Dish. Yes. Commissioner Clark. Yes. Commissioner Weich. Yes. The motion carries. It is recommended to the city council. All righty. So now thank we. Thank you, Alexis. Oh, yes. Thank you. We are on to item public nine, which is public comment. So um, opportunity for people to speak up to three minutes on any issue. Um, uh, we'll call in individuals present first, then we'll move to the virtual. Um, if you're calling in, press star nine if listening by phone or use the raise a hand feature for phone access, call 877-853-5247 and enter meeting ID 977-6634-1226. City staff will select callers that have raised their hand. Um, you're going to hear an automated announcement that hosts is allowing you to speak when speaking. Please move to a quiet area and mute any television or background sounds so that we may hear you clearly. Star six to unmute. Um, either method, state your name and address first, please. Anybody present that would like to speak? I could never fit into three minutes of a commenting on the back and forth, but I do have a couple of points. I appreciate your, um, uh, Commissioner Mills, uh, talking about the what could be developed now, and I would temper my earlier comments somewhat based on that and what Ms. DeLeo said, but I still think there isn't a sufficient information base for people to really understand. You know, C1 is 35 feet. Is it, are these parcels now going to be 75 feet? I have still not seen a map, and I've worked pretty hard to figure it out. I haven't seen anything that would still tell me this parcel is this way now, and this is what it can be under this proposal. You've got, a, you've got interactive map, and you have to go through and do it parcel by parcel. Why not tell the residents what's really going to happen? That, that my, my second point, I guess, goes to what some of the comments that Mr. Boyce made. The, I heard plenty of concerns. I think you're picking out two of the ones that are the most obvious and easy to defend. You have people here saying they like green space. They, they, they're worried about six stories, seven stories backed up onto their thing, under their backyard. And you're saying, well, 19 floors or you know, 300 feet, there's only one parcel. So what? That wasn't what they were here about. And the, the, other, the other comment about uh, the, the parking, that, that's pretty easy to defend. That, that, you know, parking in the neighborhood, too bad. You have to just deal with it. Okay. The, the real concerns weren't dealt with. And my central con concern, I wasn't saying here earlier that people don't read things or listen to things. The question is, do you do anything with them? And I, and I, I would still say that on pretty much every time I've come here or to city council recently on issues like this, people politely listen and ignore everything they don't take it, they actually do anything with any comments that are made by people that don't share the ideology that, that you're coming from as a group. And I stand by that comment. The third item on your, on your uh, comment about stadium hardware, I find that to be pretty naive. Nobody would knock stadium hardware down 
and build it and then bring them back in a year later. What's their business do in the meantime? They're dead. That, I mean, I used to represent developers. I used to represent the developer of Westgate. People don't think like that. They're going to build it, and then they're going to put something else in there. And Stadium Hardware, what are they going to do? Move to someplace out on Jackson Road for a year and then try to come back in there? That's absurd. And it, it shouldn't even enter the discussion. The, 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 and and to, to Commissioner Dish's comment, the, there is a... This is the one thing that could be required. Okay, you can't require affordability, sustainability, I get that. You can require mixed use, but you won't. And, and the point is, I stand by what I said earlier, every single new residential is, a, is our businesses that are gone. And you could prevent that, but you won't. That's, that's what I hear. Thank you. Anybody else present here? Hi, I'm Alex Lowe. I, li I live on Fernwood Avenue in, uh, in Ward 3. I'm really grateful to, uh, uh, to everyone he uh, here for, uh, for the good discussion uh, that you've had and, and the listening that you, uh, that you very clearly ha uh, have done. I'm sorry to the other commenter that, uh, that, uh, that he feels unheard just be uh, because after listening to his, uh, his comments, understanding them and discussing them, you still disagree with them. But you know that's that's the nature of, uh, of, of democracy. That's the nature of uh, human beings. And you know what? We just had a, 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 an election that uh, uh, that gave the city a very clear mandate for uh, for what we uh, for what we should be doing. And I honestly believe that that mandate uh, uh, says we need to be doing more of this and faster. So that's what I would li uh, like to see. Please, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else in the room that would like to speak? Mr. Leonard, anybody virtually? Yes. Caller with the phone number ending with 403. You can press star six and address the Planning Commission for up to three minutes. Hello, Yes, we can hear you. Awesome, thank you. Um, uh, uh, my name is Jim Pike, and I just wanted to give you maximum appreciation for passing this on to council. I uh, look forward to, you know, obviously there's a deal of discussion this evening about it. Um, I think one of the big issues is that we're really trying to do something that, in a sense, you know, you could say that it's pretty drastic, a pretty drastic change. Um, and I think uh, I'm glad there are, there are detailed uh, guidelines being, you know, that have already been developed and are, I suppose, going to continue to be refined. That's great. But I really want, um, I really hope that people can focus on being visionary about doing something uh, new and positive and different and valuable with these, with these spaces, because right now they just look like the thousands upon thousands of other roads that are just infested with parking lots and strip malls all around this entire country 
like all around this entire country, people have been doing this badly and wrong for decade after decade. So I'm really excited that you all are giving us an opportunity to do something much, much better with land. And uh, I guess that's about it. So I just, you know, again, thank you for having some vision. And, and I look forward to more people getting on board with this vision. And I look forward to in five to 20 years, seeing what results from it. Uh, so that's all, thanks very much. Thank you. Call it with the phone number ending with 274. You have three minutes to address the commission. Um, hi, my name is, can you guys hear me? Yes. Uh, hello? Yes, we can hear you. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. We can hear you. Hello? Um, hi, my name is Jean Leverage. Can you guys hear me? I'm in Ward 5. We can hear you. Oh, thank you so much. Sorry. Um, I apologize. I just really wanted to um, thank you for all of your hard work and just express my appreciation for the difficulty of navigating these kinds of changes and to really just express my admiration and gratitude for the Planning Commission coming together to really very thoughtfully address how can we make the city more livable for more people and create housing, you know, opportunities to create housing for people rather than cars and to create neighborhoods where there's currently parking lots and roads. And I know that it is a difficult and time-consuming process, and I just really want to thank you for that hard, that hard work. And I'm just really excited to really think about the kind of community that we're going to be able to create on West Stadium and um, also out by Briarwood Mall. So thank you very much. Thank you. Caller with the phone number ending with 345. You have three minutes to address the commission. Hello, this is Kitty Khan again. Um, I just had to call in because I heard Commissioner Weiss say something that was so ridiculous. He said if Stadium Hardware didn't have any parking in the back, they'd be just fine. Are you kidding me? No, they would not be fine. People go to a hardware store, sometimes they need to pick up large things. They can't just be walking around, just strolling in to the hardware store. No, they need that parking. And another thing, I was really pleasantly surprised to hear some discussion about setbacks and green space. It was mostly Commissioner Gib Randall. Thank you so much to you, because you seem to be the only one that hasn't drunk the Kool-Aid on this commission, pardon me, but the rest of them. But then, and I was surprised to hear that not all of Planning Commission even knew what went on with that uh, ORC meeting. 
Don't all the commission, I mean, I know those meetings are not recorded, so the public has no way to know what goes on, but I thought at least all, all the members of the Planning Commission would know, but no, seems like it's some kind of secret commission. So anyway, and I want to know, how many Planning Commissioners were at that ORC meeting? Was it four? Was it three? Was it two? I would like an answer to that question, please. And anyway, I was happy to see some discussion about green space and setbacks, but then at the end, you went ahead and approved it unanimously anyway and said, oh, it'll be weeks later. You know, I am not naive enough to think there are going to be any tweaks later. This is going to go to city council, and it's going to be approved because the majority, even though it's not a super majority yet, there are still enough votes to approve this. And soon, it'll be a super majority, and anything goes. Why even bother to discuss anything? You can tell I'm so angry I'm shaking. Sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Okay, bye. Thank you. No. no. Adam Jaskevich, you have three minutes to address the <laughs> Sorry, sorry, Brett. Um, no, it's okay. Um, I was just jumping the gun. No worries. So, um, Adam Duskevich, I live in the fourth ward on Las Vegas Drive, just south of this corridor. Um, thank you for passing this. And I just wanted to mention um, a couple of the, the callers. Like, I know, I know it's frustrating when it kind of feels like you're not really being heard. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of public input coming in from a lot of different people in a lot of different meetings. And, um, and, you know, not everybody agrees, right? So there's going to be some people who are frustrated with the outcomes. And, um, you know, I've been there plenty of times. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure there will be situations in the future where I'm frustrated with the outcomes of things. So, you know, I think, I think we've all got to pay attention and provide our input where um, where we think we can provide it and keep on keeping on. Thank you. Thank you. No other speakers are indicating a desire to address the commission. Okay, I would just like to quickly say that the Ordinance Review Committee is not some sort of secret society, but it is a small subcommittee of the um, Planning Commission because um, we all are, um, we all do other work besides being on Planning Commission and we are on either smaller committees or we are liaisons to other groups and we just can't be everywhere at once and we are very grateful for the people that do serve on that so that they can be a sounding board for this. So um, not all of us go to these things, otherwise none of us would sleep. So just wanted to say that before we moved on to item 10, which is commission proposed business. Commissioner White. Just two things. One, and that meeting is open to the public. It is. And you can subscribe to it via the Gov um, delivery email, and you will receive a notification because that's how I'm informed that that meeting happens, and it has the link 
to the meeting in that notification, and it comes from the planning office. I just wanted to ask uh, Mr. Leonard uh, what our ETA is on uh, the formation of the Comprehensive Plan Subcommittee, because I think we have a lot of people in our community that would like us to get going with the Comprehensive Plan RFP process. So if you have an update to share, I would love to have it. Otherwise, yeah. I will wait. Uh, so the committee is already created. You've appointed a subcommittee for that. Um, I will be reaching out to that committee um, sometime between, um, I hope by the end of this week, to start soliciting some potential dates. My intention is to share with that committee and solicit feedback from that committee as to a proposed uh, scope description that I have drafted for a uh, request for proposals for professional consultants to help with that. Um, uh, so I will first be reaching out to schedule that meeting. Um, then, as you described, that meeting will be advertised similarly to the Ordinance Revisions Committee. Um, if people are interested in it, it will um, likely be held via Zoom, and we will also share that information via GovDelivery, so if anybody's interested in that, they can stay attuned of it. Um, after that meeting, I hope to, um, if I'm close, I'm hoping to then move on to issuing that request for proposals and start soliciting uh, proposals from the professional planning community to help us kick off that process. All righty, we are on adjournment. Moved by Commissioner White, seconded by Commissioner Dish. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> it's unanimous.